Lennon calling in the something to do, the but a dee da something, something. I guess I don't know any of the words. How are you doing? Hey, Eddie, I'm doing all right. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. What about me? Yeah, I can hear you can real I hear good. Me good. Yeah, I can hear you good. Nice. I uh, don't see anything. You don't see anything? I see nothing. I mean, I can see, I can see normally. <laughs> There's but probably, I see, here we go. Here I we go. Only an old image of you. Here comes me. There, there we go. Huh? Huh? Hey, new microphone stuff. No, it's the same same thing I've been using for years. It's just coming out at a weird angle. It's, yeah, it's well. Coming th- down out of stage right. I'm still wedged onto the corner of my friend's sofa as I was a couple of weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, You seem surprised. I'll adjust my screen as well. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm still in, uh, I'm still in, uh, New York. And I hear it's so hot there that people are fainting and being pushed in, pushed into vans. <laughs> yeah. Has that only, been your experience? Only some of us, apparently. Yeah. Um, it was very hot in New York, but that seems to be over now. Yeah. Today is glorious. I actually sat outdoors. I intentionally sat in sunshine today. Did you lather yourself up with a anti-sun grease? No, I didn't. Is that a thing we can do? Sunscreen? Sun lotion? Anti-sun lotion? No, I, was, I was wearing sunglasses and a hat and, and clothes. Um, yeah. But uh, until now, uh, the idea of voluntarily exposing yourself to sunlight in New York City um, had been un- inadvisable. At best. Right. Right. You have uh, a few more weeks in New York, or is it your time there drawing to a close? I have uh, eight or nine more days to go. Very nice. And uh, I had been planning on the, the last project I wanted to do while I was here was to work on a, a script for something. Mm-hmm. And I was, I figured it would have to be 60 pages. And, um, my screenwriting partner called me today. I had just reached, I'd gotten to the end of it and it was only 33 pages. And I thought, okay, well, I got to go back and start filling in detail. And then my screenwriting partner called me and said, uh, if, you, if you're going to write that script, it should be uh, about half an hour. Huh? And I was like, oh. Well, in that case, I'll send, I'll send it's it to you. It's about a page, a minute per page, right? Isn't in, that the in theory? Yeah, the theory. In theory, it's a minute per page. Although some some movies and shows have more dialogue than others. Like an episode of Gilmore Girls has like more, like twice as much dialogue as any other TV show I've ever seen. Sure, because all the girls have to talk. I guess I've never yeah, seen it. They talk to each other. I assume there's forty or fifty girls. Yeah, and there's men too, and they talk to the girls, and the girls talk to the men. Everyone talks yeah. to everybody else. Yeah, they banter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've never seen. You seem to be at a complete loss nothing. now. No, I, I, I feel, I feel at a great loss on the subject of Gilmore Girls, particularly because are they having a reunion? Are they coming yeah, back? Yeah, they're having. I a, wasn't aware. I thought that they were still something new. No, they're. It re- was a mark of the passage of my age to think that this thing that was. Uh, reuniting was um, was perhaps still in its first season. No, it's or been, even uh, from a fall preview. No, it's been more than, more than a, more than a decade since it 
since it was a thing. But there is a reunion season that's going to that's going to drop in in the fall. So and I'll watch it. I like I like the I like the actors in it. Uh, it's a very charming and funny show. They had uh, a guy who climb through a bedroom window once in a while and cry. Is that in that show? Is that, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't come through the window and weep. I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen. Like you'd only... be in your bedroom. You're a Gilmore girl, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're in the dormitory with the other fifty or sixty Gilmore girls, and I think James Vanderbeek crawls through your window <laughs> and immediately starts bawling <laughs> consolably. <laughs> I I don't. I have a half, a half hug, and he goes back out through the window. I don't remember yes. seeing this on the program, but as a, as a sort of just general purpose scenario, I approve of it. Yeah, that's that's the Golden Girls. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're off on it, off the reservation now. Different show. Mm-hmm. I saw a funny show. Also, a very fine show. We're Golden talking about Girls. shows. Yeah, which my four year old says is, is his favorite thing. Favorite thing in the whole world. Golden Girls. Is it's the most exciting thing? Is shows. Oh, shows. Sure. Shows. We love shows. I like shows. Yeah. Paw Patrol, Odd Squad. <laughs> but I found uh, I, I got a subscription to CISO. CISO, it's a comedy streaming program. <laughs> okay. I don't know what things are called, um, but it has some original things, and it has a, a show called I think uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties. Mm-hmm. All F. Tompkins and a bunch of comedians I don't recognize. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's very funny. I love Paul F. Tompkins, and that sounds like I've. Is it is it parodying the you know like the Home and Garden Network shows where you look at rich people's houses? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I've I've seen a bunch of those. My favorite yeah. of them is um, Million Dollar Rooms. Mm. Mm. Not even like a suite, just uh, a one room. Yeah, one room, million dollar rooms, and it's very very charming and handsome host. Uh, with a weird name, John. Hold on, I'm going to look this up. I, um, I highly recommend this this show. Um, there's like half a season's worth of it on Netflix. I wouldn't I wouldn't like go and watch watch it on HGTV or for real or anything. Um, okay, who's the guy? Carter Oosterhouse. Ooh. hosted by Carter Oosterhouse, and uh, he goes to. Uh, he goes to these million dollar rooms and uh he pretends to be really impressed and there's always a moment usually the person who owns a house isn't available because they're too important to actually yeah. to actually show off their house so they're not at home and usually the property manager or the like uh the architect sometimes or wh- you know some sort of middleman is there to show Carter Ooster house around and he feigns amazement at all the gaudy the gaudy excesses of these rooms and then and then he says uh chandeliers <laughs> and then he says um he'll say something like now about how much do you think <laughs> this bathtub cost and then the 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 the, the middleman will say this bathtub cost $750,000 and Carter Oosterhouse will say no way! Oh, does wow! He have, does he have a little calculator so he can add up <laughs> to tally it? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. He keeps it all in his no. mind. He's it's all uh, up there. No, he's done this enough times where he can he just says do tapping on his brow. Yeah, he can. He can add up 
six figure uh bathtubs like like yeah. nothing that's pretty good we are so this show are, but the show you yeah. recommend you're recommending to me is called bajillion dollar homes <laughs> bajillion dollar properties properties okay okay yeah bajillion dollar <laughs> properties i think it's a uh, number of of uh reno 911 uh producers and writers okay good. or as it has a similar uh the tom tom lennon's part of one of the producers i don't know it's pretty funny <laughs> all right good funny <laughs> and another show um uh thing starter <laughs> who's that some funny people also on original on the CISO network thing starter it's a startup where uh, they <clears throat> have a, uh, you know, some idea for a product that some inventor brings to them, mm-hmm. and half of it is improvised comedy, and half of it is them actually presenting prototypes or the idea to designers and engineers and potential consumers. Yeah. So it's a little bit like uh, just kind of jokey sketch stuff with um, a little bit of a little 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 bit of wonder chosen to it. Sure. Do you do you remember Wonder Show? I've 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 seen clips. You used to tell me about it a lot. I've never yeah. I never became a devotee though. Time has passed, and I tell people about it less and less. Yeah, but, but I still remember it. And that's about ten years ago. It might have been about um, uh, concomitant with the Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. I'm not using <laughs> that word right. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, the first episode of Bajillion Dollar Properties S with a dollar sign is on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, I guess for promotional purposes. So I will I'll watch that for sure. Just this afternoon I probably will. I've been watching a lot of television. Whole lot. Whole streaming a lot of television. So this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's what I've done with New York City. I have used it as a place to watch television. And the reason is, and this is something that I suspected uh on my many short term visits to New York over the years. Is that every time you leave the apartment you spend a hundred dollars? No, I'm at, I have actually done pretty well. When my children were visiting me a couple of weeks ago, I spent a lot of hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. um, because uh, they, by which I mean Toby, my younger son, really wanted to do a lot of stuff. Right. Um, uh, whereas Owen and I are more inclined to just kind of walk around and sit under trees um, and chat. But uh, we did plenty of chatting, but uh, Toby wanted to see some sites and go eat food. I think I told you about some of the food we ate, but... I yeah. spent I spent most of the money there, so then I didn't have any money to spend the rest of the time, which has been good because I have just been I've not been spending a lot of money and have been uh if I've eaten out it's been in very cheap places like such as one that I'll tell you about in a bit. But what I discovered about New York is that uh there's too many people in it. And a lot of people. There's a lot of people. And so when I'm walking to a place, like I taught a class uh, the other day down in the Flatiron District at the uh, Electric Lit and Catapult offices. Uh, Did which, you see our desk? Yes, actually, the the oh, nice. the desk that we if it's a little if dusty we happen to be in town that we're allowed yeah. to work at, uh, and it's it was available this week actually, but I declined it because I I've got other fish to fry that day. But mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's very nice, nice space. And you should come sit at it sometime. But, I, I'm but, going to. Yeah. So I, t- I taught a class that went great. By the way, the students were great, and the and catapult people were lovely. 
Um, but I decided to walk there from where I'm staying on the Upper West Side, and I tried to walk down a street known as Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became so angry at the everyone for existing that by the time I arrived, I was dr- I was drenched in sweat. I was deeply frustrated. Do you have to pass through? That's all north of. That's all above Times Square. Did you have to pass through Times Square? I, I passed. Well, th- I didn't have to pass through Times Square. I could have taken an alternate route, but yeah. I decided since it's it, on the map, it looks like a straight shot, yeah. right right down Broadway. Um, I figured I would do that, and it was a mistake. And then there's another phenomenon that I've been discovering, which is you're walking down a fairly quiet street, and a lady will come out of a building, hey, and will turn to walk in the same direction that you're walking, maybe twenty feet in front of you, but then suddenly. And then she begins to walk at the same speed, roughly, that you're walking. And you suddenly realize that you're freaking them out because you're just, like, creepily looming behind them. And mm-hmm. maybe you'd like to speed up and pass them and walk at the, continue at the pace you'd been walking later. But exactly, you don't want to be that person who does that. So I find myself over and over, like, either stopping to look at my phone just to put some space between me and a freaked-out lady... Or to arbitrarily cross the street to avoid, and I think look look in the storefront of the taxidermy shop, for example. <laughs> yeah, 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 because the Upper West Side is packed with taxidermy yeah. shops. And suddenly you realize that you are following this person. It's all taxidermy shops and locksmiths up here. Yeah, and then, and which is lucky, lucky because how else am I going to get into her apartment um, right. without the key that I had made? Uh, but anyway. Um, I'm sure that like most people are who live here are immune to these things, but it, it's made me long for Ithaca. So with the key that you had filed down over days while watching streaming television, <laughs> exactly. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> here watching Doug. Oh. <laughs> million dollar Golden Gilmore Girls <laughs> and filing down keys. So it's either too many people or not enough people. Exactly, is New York's problem. Yeah. So I've I have some routes now that I go on that have the that. Are pretty deserted. Which maybe I should maybe I shouldn't be out at night on deserted <clears throat> streets, but it seems the worst thing that will happen to me up here is that I'll trip over a doorman or something. Yeah, you'll you'll join something. Step in some dog poo. Yeah, a lot of big dogs in the Upper West Side. These apartments, from my from my uh, occasional visits to the city. I'm surprised at the size of the dogs people are walking. Uh, I don't... Oh, speaking speaking you of these... You do think it would be like a good place for chihuahuas and shudzes, but uh, Great Danes is my memory of it. You're, my memory of New York from my like visiting you know one or two days every two or three years is cartoonish. See, I would say that the number one type of dog in the Upper West Side is tiny dog. Yeah. Number two ludicrously huge dog yeah and there are no dogs in between there are no just dogs on the upper west side at all again uh, extremes yeah too many people not enough people too much dog not enough dog but the people who have tiny dogs always have two tiny dogs and when they're Mm -hmm. walking their tiny dogs they make sure that one dog is stretched way out to one side Mm -hmm. of the sidewalk and the other dog is stretched out way to the other side of the sidewalk so with the two leashes and the two dogs they are. They've made like a human snowplow. Yeah, and they, they're like a they're like a uh, 
a, a squid fanning or a jellyfish <laughs> fanning out its its, its tendrils. <laughs> its dog tendrils. It yeah, catches as much plankton <laughs> as, as it can. <laughs> yeah, some of those some of those leashes sting. They uh, if they touch you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a stinging mo- leashes a mobile electric fence yes yeah. um so speaking of big dogs um i watched another hgtv show i think it's i think it's under the umbra- you know the thing that these cable networks do where they have a show and then they have infinite variations on the show yeah and the you never chicken quite soup for teens it, it's chicken soup for elders yeah, and then but then there's like a spin-off of the spin-off that only vaguely refers to the original, but things are happening that are referring to the original that everyone's supposed to know because they're supposed to be watching the network all day or the the channel all day. Right. Anyway, shut it shut ins. I think this is a variation on the show House Hunters and it's specifically called Tiny House Hunters. And it's white people. <laughs> yeah. Who've decided they want to live in an incredibly tiny house? One hundred percent white people. And what and what the white people are are really doing is they're moving into a trailer, but mm-hmm. the secret is they don't know it. Yeah, <laughs> they think that they're doing something that's upscale, but they're actually they're actually it's less convenient than living in a trailer. It's like living in a trailer without any of the amenities of living in a trailer. Yeah, they're doing what's in fact um, expected of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to move into a trailer. <laughs> uh, those trailers can be pretty nice. I've been in. I've been in trailers. A little trailer park. Sure, it's not too trashy. It can be quite nice. Depends on the age of the trailer. They Speaking don't age well. No, I can't imagine they do. No, no. A lot of formaldehyde, also. A lot of outgassing and ingassing. <laughs> less, less talked about scourge. Um, they found the terror. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Ninety miles That's, south of where it was supposed to be. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, it really you, is good. You know about the Erebus and the Terror? Uh, tell the story. Well, they're they're. Uh, <clears throat> I thought we would you'd know about them from being part of. Um. Not J. Edgar Hoover. Who's the writer we love? Evan Cannell. Evan Cannell, yeah. Hoover. Evan Cannell's, uh, in, in one of his essays, um, addresses the, the number of the Northwest Passage. Mm-hmm. Some of the. It's uh, in The White Lantern, right? He talks the about The White this. Lantern. Yeah. I believe that is The White Lantern, is yeah. the Arctic, yeah. or the, the poles, which make the Earth look like a White Lantern. So the Erebus and Terror, I don't know, 18. 50s or so um, are the two ships that have been around a long time and they've been to the Antarctic they've been through the Arctic they, they were in, they were um, not really exploration ships I think the Terror was a, um, uh, like a gunship or a um, you know it was it had cannons on it big cannons for World War uh, for uh, the War of 1812 and mm-hmm. and other naval services and and uh, um, um, uh, it had, it had uh, almost sank a few times, uh, but it had become pretty pretty sturdy seasoned crew. Both the Erebus and the Terror, terrifying names for 
boats for ships, yeah. right? Erebus is the zone of darkness that you have to pass through on your after you after you cross the river Styx. I think you walk through Erebus, uh, or you crawl through Erebus after you've why, forgotten everything. Why name it ship that? I don't know. Why name one of the terror? Yeah, true. Why? 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 Uh, why, why resort to a, a literary illusions in one and then the other one is <laughs> this, the terror. This just the terror. Um, and they were part of the Franklin expedition trying to f- get through the uh, Northwest Passage. And they didn't uh, make it. Got stuck in the ice around Baffin Bay. Yep. And uh, um, they were... they. All made it for a while. They ate the oxen. They ate what they could. Mm-hmm. Their last ration, their their canned rations, or were uh, I think they think maybe tainted, or they got sick. There should have been enough rations to last through it, but they something was wrong with them. You know, the food went bad, or like so. Eventually, uh, you know, people started dying. Some people decided, presumably, to stay, and some lit out uh, to try to find help. They, they were going to try and w- w- walk home, basically. Yeah, walk back to England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, they walk, walk back to Bristol. Walk to Canada, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, none of them survived. Yeah. There were some Inuit uh, stories or, you know, rumors or reports of, of finding bodies or hearing about them or... But uh, uh, they didn't even reach um, indigenous uh, places because they were really far out there in the ice. I think it's an area that is now ice-free much of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only did they, they also were never, the, the ships were never found. Um, there were uh, some, somebody saw them or thought they saw them in a fanciful version. Imagine that they were, they'd been, um, they had been lifted up. Like by the ice under icebergs, mm-hmm. and there were reports of you know people seeing ships on icebergs or were floating through, but they were they were never found. The ships were never found. The bodies, some bodies were found, but they never found the ships. They never the air the, the, the where, what happened to the Erebus and the Terror uh, was 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 uh, was a mystery. And particularly one of them is like not only what uh, clearly they didn't make it, but where where didn't they make it? Right, there was a last sighting and last position that they thought, but like didn't, the theory was always a question. Well, maybe did they did it melt and some people actually got through, right. or did they make it a lot farther, or was it completely uh, doomed? errand? they were just on the wrong path. There was no getting through the Northwest Passage. The first ship to actually make it through the Northwest Passage was also a grisly story. Oh, it was called the Octavius, the Octavio, Octavius. And it was a British ship, and it had gone all the way. It, it, the, it had made love. It had made it gone all the way. It gone to third base, <laughs> but it had somehow gotten pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so there's either some confusion about what third base is, <laughs> or Lisa was telling stories again about British merchant vessels. Who hired her as naval historian? I'd like to know. <laughs> Lisa, she's so petty. <laughs> oh, that's why she's a petty officer. <laughs> oh, very good. Anyway, go um, on. 
So it made it over to Hong Kong or wherever, and it was going to try to come back through the Northwest Passage. And uh, it, it entered, uh, went up above through the Bering Straits and up above Alaska. Um, and at that point, it seemed everyone seems to have died. Oh. Now, froze, it got stuck in the ice. Everybody froze to death. Presumably. Again, yeah. citing Lisa. <laughs> everyone was just so gross. That they were just they just died. <laughs> because of the things they were saying about her, they they didn't deserve to live. So they're so gross they just died. And uh ten years pass. This is the seventeen nineties, eighteen hundreds, something like that. I think. Um and uh down around uh, like Nova Scotia or Prince Edward Island or something, um, a uh, a whaling ship um, encounters, you know, finds finds a ship floating free and you know freely in the water, mm-hmm. sails down, um, looking in in bad shape, and so they send a, a a boat over to check it out, and they get up on the ship and they they go down below. Boards, I think. Below. Below decks? Below decks. Yeah. And find a bunch of dead people um, in their beds, you know, all wrapped up against the cold. Um, They find the captain seated at his desk with his face down. I believe the report is that it was covered in, like, mold, but otherwise recognizable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with his, you know, trying to fill out this log book and he's apparently had his family with him. So like his dead wife is there. And this is what it's going to be like dead when, ch- dead when, child. when they discover a Twitter in a hundred years. Right. <laughs> they find somebody, you know, um, like who was trying to make a fire and, you know, froze to death while trying to make a fire. And, uh, the, the whalers are kind of freaked out by it, um, the rest of the, the Bob Marley supporting outfit um, <laughs> feel his bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they hustle back to the ship. They grab the log book, but most of the log book falls into the, the water. But there's three or four pages of the log book that, uh, that survive, which, which have them you know, sailing happily through the you know, Canary Islands, then around the Horn, and, and, uh, and then you know, the, last, the last notation on it was, you know, <clears throat> well, we're mostly dead, and we're f- stuck in the ice up at what seems to be like Barrow, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And yet, when they find they find the ship floating freely in the Atlantic, ten years later, with the theory that it, you know, through seasons of yeah. freezing and floating, unsteered by human hand, <laughs> it made it through the Northwest Passage. By itself, with no By one itself. on it. Well, yeah. So the first ship to make to to make it through the Northwest Passage, passage did so was un- a death ship, unpeopled. Oh, yeah. so good. Death ship. Yeah. Death ships. Death ships and ghost ships. So the the Erebus and the Terror, were, you know, fit into the the that narrative of death ships, ghost ships, cannibalism stories. Yeah. 
But they but actually they, the finding of it kind of you know I'm glad I feel this feel something right about it actually. It's quite being quite intact. Found. It's sunk in yeah. It's sunk in water deep enough, cold enough that uh, um, that it hasn't de- really begun to decompose. Yeah, it's filled with uh, it's covered in walrus shit. Yeah, well you can you can scrape that shit off. Hose that off. Yeah, hose it off. Pristine condition is the describe the the guardian says. If they could, if they could raise it, it would probably float again. Bad idea. No, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Fool me twice. We have successfully entered the mess hall, worked our way into a few cabins, and found the food storage room with plates and one can on the shelves. <laughs> one can left. Yeah. Uh, we spotted two wine bottles, tables, and empty shelving. Found a desk with open drawers with something in the back corner of the drawer. They decided not to tell us what what that is. That is a strange observation. Found a desk with open <laughs> drawers with something in the back corner of the drawer. Well, gotta, gotta run. Porn, yeah. Sounds like porn stash. Really with something, I don't know what it is. It's not very important to uh, be back here. <laughs> it's your maritime porn stash. Yeah. Survived. Uh, survived. Well, sex was different then. It's probably well, not, it was very, all scrimshaw. not it was very exciting. All, yeah. It was all... It was the Kama Sutra carved into ivory. <laughs> erotic scrimshaw, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love erotic scrimshaw. <laughs> it must exist. It's about to, I sense. Anyway, it was a nice piece of news, and I, I, I wish that uh, Mr. Cannell uh, were, uh, were alive to, uh, to, to know it. Me too. He was a good one. He was a real good one, and uh, we've recommended those books so many times. But they 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 can't be it can't be said enough times how delightful no. those books are, and um, probably how how few of our recommendations people pick up on. Um, I was reading the Entertainment Weekly, yeah, and they had a an interview with Ian McEwen for some uh, reason. Oh God! And uh, uh, bear with me. <laughs> One good thing that he said was uh, they were asking like, well, what are what are some what, what like what's your favorite book or what book, you know, what what what's your favorite character out of literature? Yeah, Horse Bedortis. No, the Fan Man. He did and not a say Horse talking about How fantastic the Fan Man is! Wow. And and he does it in in uh, in uh, Bedortis talk. <laughs> Okay, I gotta go. That yeah. is, is this is a this is a print interview? Yeah, it's just a very short little, you know, five question thing in Entertainment Weekly. Okay, hold on. Let's see if it's online. I I, I can't I cannot believe I might, I might be wrong about him using Bedorty's slang. Oh, that's that's all right. How do you? Sp- well, I don't I don't I don't see it here on uh, I don't see it here on. Um, on the internet, but I bet it's in there. Entertainment Weekly. Mm-hmm. Let me give it a shot. So like, that's what I have. That's what I'm bringing to the table, John. Like many literary journals, uh, Entertainment Weekly cannot be found online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got some. Uh, I got some vittles for you. Yeah. This. Uh, it's a small small restaurant chain here in, in New York. 
uh, a, no- a noodle shop mm-hmm. called, I believe it's called Xi'an Famous Foods that are uh, Chinese speaking um, uh, listeners will we'll probably say that's the wrong pronunciation, but it's X I apostrophe A N famous foods. Um, very delicious noodles of many varieties, uh, affordable and delivered unto you rapidly. Um, there's a note you put, you go to the website and you click on menu mm-hmm. and a pop-up comes up on the, on the webpage and it says, warning, please read. Oh, food. Tastes best when fresh from the kitchen. When hot noodles cool down, they get bloated, mushy, and oily. If you must take your noodles to go, please at least try the noodles in the store or right out of the to-go containers when it's handed to you so you can get the best possible Xi'an Famous Foods experience. Ooh. So if you, they're asking you, if you get takeout, if you have to get takeout, we don't want you to do that. But if you must get takeout, eat a little before you leave the restaurant. <laughs> I think that's that's brilliant. It is kind of brilliant, and the, you know the the it's twenty blocks away from from where I am now. So I did indeed, and there's you know there's nowhere to here's the problem though there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> it's very crowded, uh, and there's very there are only a handful of seats. So um, everyone is everyone is doing takeout and the but, yeah. and it says i mean the the warning is repeated warning yeah. takeout noodles will not taste as good as fresh ones yeah it's true it um what, what kind of noodles what uh kind of flatter noodles yeah well there's a bunch of varieties Spicy. of noodles uh there are cold skin noodles uh cold uh-huh. rice noodles warm sort of drunken noodle type thick uh-huh. noodles Hand, they have hand-ripped noodles. Yeah. I recommend N1, the spicy cumin lamb hand-ripped noodles. It's the N plus one? Yeah, they're also yeah, the N plus one noodles. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's what the N stands for, is noodles. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> eating, eating noodles alone. And you get a guest. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Noodles plus one. <laughs> that's, um, that, that's very wise of them, because... Um, I have uh, there was a noodle place, Chang's Gourmet in Seattle. The yeah. one I loved had incredible spicy noodles. Yeah, and we would get the when we they were great. We'd eat them there, <clears throat> and having having eaten them there and knowing how great they are, we could get them takeout and eat them at home and love them. But if we introduce somebody to them through the takeout, they would say, uh, they're okay. Yeah, they're not great." But if we took somebody to the restaurant and had them, we would have a convert. Yeah, so I, I, I believe it. I don't think it's nonsense. But I think it's kind of bold to, um, to construct a, a, a restaurant chain specifically designed for takeout and then tell you <laughs> how terrible it is to eat takeout noodles. Yeah. Yeah. They also have – I haven't had this yet, and I think I will before I leave town. Um, they have very – inexpensive um they have burgers um and the burgers are are look kind of deconstructed they look like just a pile of meat but they have um spicy cumin lamb burger uh which is sort of their one of their favorite things and it's only uh four or five bucks Mm -hmm. so you sent me a link uh in which ian McEwen does indeed say (laughs) that um his literary hero 
is Horse Bedorties. He doesn't mm-hmm. say Horse Bedorties, though. He says the hippie Hamlet hero of William Cotswinkle's novel, The Fan Man. How can, why, why would anyone restrain themselves from uttering the name Horse Bedorties? The name is really important. The name, yeah. is, the name is a great literary artifact on its own. Yeah, it, it truly yeah. is. It's one of the great poems, is the word, is, is, the, is the name Horse Bedorties. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, you sent me, uh, you sent me another, another uh, restaurant link here. And I should say that um, the, the web address, I thought, said butt pics. But it actually says BTU PDX. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to send you butt pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell me about this. This is so, the place uh, you were BTU, just talking uh, about. Uh, uh, is uh, I think they claim to be the only um, Chinese restaurant and brewery in the country. Oh, really? Yeah. Chinese restaurant and tap room. You know what? I I never thought of that before, but that does seem like a very unusual combination. It is, and I hope hopefully it is the combination of the future. Hopefully, it's the Schlotsky's slash Cinnabon of the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they go the, nicely together. The Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Yeah, I'm at the Pizza Hut. <laughs> I'm at the Taco Bell. Uh, Whenever I'm here, I see the the signs, you know, that say. Combination standpipe and sprinkler valve, and I start. <laughs> the I, combination. It's, it's a standpipe and it's a sprinkler valve. It's a combination. Yeah. Standpipe and sprinkler valve. Yeah, very good. Anyway, yes. So it's a brew pub and a Chinese restaurant, and the Chinese food is very good. Yeah, and the beer is okay. All right, um, but they had a special um, during the the couple of days that we didn't do the podcast. Um, this is probably the most. Sig- the, the, the signal culinary experience of our lacuna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do tell. Was there um, a General Tso burger? Yeah. There was a burger week in Portland where um, many uh, restaurants join burgers. in and have a week of uh, $5 uh, burgers. Were there um, – a bunch of uh, like six foot tall fiberglass burgers throughout town that various horrible artists were employed yeah. to paint. Yeah, and then uh, an artist who had been uh, a, 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 a brilliant artist who <laughs> whose life had taken a turn and was now unemployed, uh, uh, and his his life falling apart, uh, falls asleep drunkenly in his car, and his car runs into one and knocks it over, and he goes to jail for it. <laughs> yeah. It's a true story. Is it? Replace uh, six-foot fiberglass burgers with deer. <laughs> okay. Okay. What town is this? Idlewild. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the General Tso burger was a uh, General Tso, uh, you know, chicken on a on a humbau. What's a humbau? Uh, a uh, like a roll. Okay. A Chinese roll. And did you like it? Was it delicious? It was five dollars and it was I would have paid more. Seven fifty. Yeah. yeah. But it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But it was only for one week. Burger week is but one week. Um and then and they places don't tend to to continue their um invented burger. 
And it's usually a terrible idea. It's a novelty burger. Yeah, sure. It's novelty food, and you shouldn't eat novelty food. Mm. You should be cautious. There should be a warning that comes up. <laughs> that pops up. <laughs> pops up. A pop-up warning. Warning. Novelty food is not delicious. Yeah. Novelty food is frequently disappointing. Try a little now. Have a little bit later. Compare the experiences. <laughs> um, BTU Brasserie. All right. Man, I want to come and visit you so that you can take, <coughs> take me to some of these uh, places of eating. Come on out. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eventually. Probably in, filled, probably filled in, with activities. And probably in May or June when my book comes out. May or June of 2017. Yeah. You should come and read it. One of our many bookstores. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the French comic book artist Tardy? 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 T A R D I? Yeah. I just meant to, forgot to mention that uh, he had a, has a great graphic novel that's sort of about the, uh, takes a little bit of the Erebus and the Terror, a little bit of the. Uh, Octavius. Yeah, I saw. Um, I saw that I think you I tweeted it out. Mentioned it on Twitter, and I I took a moment to be uh, mildly offended that um, that I'm not the I wasn't the person that you lent it to. Yeah, because um, I what's the which book is it again? It's a uh, uh, Le Demon des Glaces, the okay. the little man of the glasses, the demon of the ice. In, is what it should be translated, but it's it's called like the uh, the Arctic Adventure or something. Right. Uh, Fanographics, the Arctic Marauder. The Arctic Marauder. Okay. Arctic Marauder. I'm looking forward on the the amazing books. Um, yeah, I have read. I don't know if it's still in print. I mean, I don't know. Fanographics. Is, some things are easy to find. Some things are limited. Would it be? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, that's the War of the Trenches. That's not it. I have read New York Monomore. Okay. Um. So, what's it called? What's the English again? The Arctic Marauder. Not a, not a bad title. There it is for a sex toy. <laughs> what's Arctic about a sex toy? Um. So for for old folks, this, this I leave that for others too. For the snowy pubes, no, merely <laughs> no. Uh, the, there's a difference between the Arctic Marauder and the Antarctic Marauder. What a difference! What a difference there is. Uh, this book remains in print mm-hmm. uh, and can be bought at, at your local uh, uh, comics uh, comics positive bookstore. Mm-hmm. I haven't been reading. I've been watching television. Yeah, it's it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier. I watched. I've been watching Mr. Robot. Um, I don't know anything. I know my. I don't know anything about Mr. Robot. Um, I keep seeing references to it. Um, uh, the, the most amusing references are to the idea that it's good, and I just have trouble with Mr. Robot being good. <laughs> I'm sure it is because of the title. It's called Mr. Ro- yes, yeah, Mr. Robot, and I see pictures of this, uh, like uh, um, Edward Snowden-looking kind of guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
He's got spooky eyes. Yes. I that, figure he's a robot. No. He's not a robot. There's no robots in the show. Well, then they're not delivering what they promise. <laughs> now I'm, even, the, I'm, I'm even more upset. The na- the the backstory of the name is that uh, the guy the guy with the spooky eyes when he was a child his father opened mm-hmm. a computer store and uh, allowed allowed the child uh, Elliot who's who will who's the protagonist of the show to name it. He says we're going to pull up in front of the shop and first first thing that pops into your head. That's the name of the computer store. And he has just told his son some bad news. So mm-hmm. Elliot is inclined to be sad and to cheer him up. He says, you're going to name the computer store. And so here it comes. And in, in, in the episode where this flashback happens, it cuts off right before Elliot speaks. But um, we know that the, the store is called Mr. Robot. So, oh. um, and, uh, the Elliot as an adult has been is in the grip of mental illness and is being sort of haunted by the ghost of his father and who is who always wears a sort of like a mechanics jacket with a patch on it that says Mr. Robot and uh by an actual ghost or by the memory uh he that's kind of a spoiler Oh, okay, the way the way in which he is a the way in which he is a quote he appears, unquote ghost. So he, he appeared to the character appears to him in yeah. his illness at least. Yeah, he he's the he his father is a problematic figure in the show and in, in an interesting way. And the like show the is dad so, from a um, funeral home show. Fun home. Oh, six feet under. Yeah, funeral yeah. home show. Yeah, funeral home show. <laughs> it has an a new HGTV <laughs> funeral home show. Yeah, <laughs> shopping for caskets with Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Carrot top. What's it going to take for me to put you into this casket? <laughs> uh, so anyway, the first um, the first season of this show is so. It's so over the top dark that it's almost mm-hmm. it at times almost seemed like self parody to me, but it's really well produced and acted. And it, the the sort of surface plot of it is that, that um, Elliot the kid is is kind of a hacker who's involved with mm-hmm. with a political protest group that's trying to take down this big corporation, mm-hmm. and they do, um, and the results are ca- catastrophic. Um, mm-hmm. The the world starts to suck after everyone's you know, money, virtual money disappears. But anyway, um, I recommended the show to Owen, um, mm-hmm. cause I thought it would kind of be in his wheelhouse and we have sort of watched season two together. We were not in the same town at the moment, but, um, as each one, as each new episode pops up on iTunes, we both watch it and we talk about it and it has gotten really good. It's really, really? good. Like it's become more sort of David Lynchian. Um, okay. It reminds me in its best moments of Mulholland Drive, which is one of my very favorite movies. So I recommend all of Mr. Robot, but definitely season two. Does is, is, is it have like the, the people making out on the couch sort of scene? Um, that kind of part of Mulholland Drive? Nothing quite that exciting, I'm afraid. That's well, a good part. Yeah. More of the mur- they're more the murdery bits. Oh, okay. Here's something, though, that all the, there are, the, scene, the show takes place in New York City. I can't tell if it's filmed here, 
though it's pretty persuasively New York. Um, uh-huh. Though it may w- very well be filmed in Vancouver or wherever, Toronto. Yeah, Toronto or wherever New York is. Um, but anyway, they the um, they're always riding the subway, and they get they find these subway cars that no one no one is in. <laughs> no, no one is, no in, one is but them. in. Yeah, say. because you you know when this when the subway is crowded and the train you know heaves into view, mm-hmm. and there's one. You can see through the windows is one car that's empty. All the others are packed Don't and one on is empty. One. Yeah, you know. That car contains poop. <laughs> There's a reason. Yeah. It's not your luck. And I <laughs> I should know because I have ridden on that car. <laughs> it was the only been the lone rider. The only time I have ever opened the door of a moving subway train and moved into the next into the next car. Um, everybody was doing it. We we're like, nope, nope, <laughs> not sitting here. <laughs> it's either, either too many people or not enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what it comes down to in the Big Apple. <laughs> Very good. I ran across a, a a poem that made me think of you. Really? Because it's about it contains Phillipsburg, New Jersey. No kidding. You heard of it? Phillipsburg. I, I I know it well. I grew up there. What, have what's who's the poem? Who read? Who Ger- wrote the poem? Gerald Stern. Yeah, let's Gerald hear it. Stern, who is I believe now ninety ninety one years old. Yeah, still uh, still going. Oh, this poem was I think yeah. from the seventies. I like his the National work Book very Award much. Uh, list in poetry came out today. Yeah, it's okay. I haven't who's, heard of a lot of people. Who who all's on it? Kevin Young. Okay, that's There's good excellent, news. excellent selected book, uh, Blue Laws, which is what the the book that I would vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Hall, selected, still alive. Um, a lot of excellent books overlooked. Why don't you name some of the ones that have been overlooked? Well, C.D. writes. Last book, um, which just came out, I think was within the the um, the time slot for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not on those. Maybe it's maybe it's too recent. Maybe that's the that's what it is. That, I feel like that should have been on there. Um, there's some other books. Monica Yoon, Yoon. Very good poet. It's on there. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the man Booker list has has appeared too, and I'm not looking at it. I just I just don't want to know who's winning awards yeah. until it's me, and then they can tell me. Right. Not, uh, well, you're not you're not. Uh, the short stories is book too long ago to be rewarded this uh, round. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't expect anyone to notice that though. Well, they should have. Next year, next year's a different story. I'm going to sweep them. We, we will. It'll be the we'll we'll sweep them. You sweep and me. them. You and me are going to sweep them. We're going to sweep them. So the poem I bet you're referring to is the one that's in front of me right now. Uh, Lucky life. Do you know this poem? Uh, I have read this poem. I've I have it in a book, um, but I had forgotten about it. And you looked as though you were about to read it aloud, and I was hoping you'd do that. Lucky life, by Gerald Stern. Lucky life isn't one long string of horrors 
and there are moments of peace and pleasure as I lie in between the blows. Lucky I don't have to wake up in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, on the hill overlooking Union Square, or the hill overlooking Kubler Brewery, or the hill overlooking S.S. Philip and James, but have my own hills and my own vistas to come back to. Each year I go down to the island. I add one more year to the darkness. And though I sit up with my dear friends trying to separate the one year from the other, this one from the last, that one from the former, another from another, after a while they all get lumped together. The year we walked to Holgate, the year our shoes got washed away, the year it rained, the year my tooth brought misery to us all. This year was a crisis. I knew it. When we pulled the car onto the sand and looked for the key, I knew it when we walked up the outside steps and opened the hot ice box and began the struggle with swollen drawers. And I knew D R A W. Well, it's spelled either way. So unfortunate, swollen drawers. And I knew it, <laughs> it is. when we laid out the sheets and separated the clothes into piles. And I knew it when we made our first rush onto the beach. And I knew it when we finally sat on the porch with coffee cups shaking in our hands. My dream is I'm walking through Phillipsburg, New Jersey, and I'm lost on South Main Street. I'm trying to tell by memory which statue of Christopher Columbus I have to look for. The one with him slumped over and lost in weariness, or the one with him vaguely guiding the way with a cross and globe in one hand and a compass in the other. My dream is... I'm in the Eagle Hotel on Chamber Street, sitting at the Oak Bar, listening to two obese veterans discussing Hawaii in 1942, and reading the funny signs over the bottles. My dream is I sleep upstairs over the honey locust, and sit on the side porch overlooking the stone culvert with a whole new set of friends, mostly old and humorless. Dear Waves, what will you do for me this year? Will you drown out my scream? Will you let me rise through the fog? Will you fill me with that old salt feeling? Will you let me take my long steps in the cold sand? Will you let me lie on the white bedspread and study the black clouds with the blue holes in them? Will you let me see the rusty trees in the old monoplanes one more year? Will you let me draw my sacred figures and move the kites and the birds around with my dark mind? Lucky life is like this. Lucky there is an ocean to come to. Lucky you can judge yourself in this water. Lucky you can be purified over and over again. Lucky there is the same cleanliness for everyone. Lucky life is like that. Lucky life. Oh, lucky life. Oh, lucky, lucky life. Lucky life. Yeah, that's good. So the the island he's referring to is Long Beach Island, where I I uh, I go to for the family vacation every year. Uh, can you tell from the monoplanes? Is that what that? Uh, no, because uh, it talks about walking to Holgate, which is the Holgate. Um, the, Holgate. the southernmost beach on Long Beach Island. And it is a thing you can do if you want to spend the whole day doing a thing. Walking um, to Holgate? You can walk to Holgate, yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of the, most of the stuff he mentions in um, Phillipsburg is, are, are gone now. But uh, St. Philip and James is where my parents were married. I uh-huh. own one of the church pews from oh. from their from the you know the church from the where they were married. I guess they replaced them. The church is still there. They but they uh-huh. replaced the pews. So I got or one one's those. missing. One's one's missing. Yeah. <laughs> <Everybody. laughs> There's a, a row of very old women, women who have to stand through the entire yeah. mass. Yeah. Uh, but the 
uh, so yeah, my parents went to St. Philip and James um, Elementary School, and as did our friend uh, Alyssa Washuda. Is that right? Spent a couple of years, I believe, there. And she recently went back because she she had this memory of the Christopher Columbus uh, with the globe being installed. Though I, I uh, gently corrected her that it was actually it actually had been removed and renovated, mm-hmm. refurbished, mm-hmm. and put back. The statue had been there since the since time immemorial. Um, but it is he's hol- in, in uh, the statue. He's holding a. Um, at least by 1492. Yeah, yeah, sometime between 1492 and the present yeah. day. Um, there's, there are, he's right, there are two statues, and one of them he's, he's holding uh, a cross and globe in one hand, but it looks like a bomb. It, has, mm. you know, it looks like a cartoon bomb. With a, the cross looks like a wick. And he looks mm. like he's, about to, he's thinking about throwing it in, through the window <laughs> of the bakery across the street. <laughs> but as a, as a uh, Native American kid who, who could... Yeah you know, passes white. It was like a very weird experience for her. I hope she's going to write about this or perhaps she already has, but, um, but she went back and visited to see the, to see the old place. Have an excess of, uh, an excess of Christopher Columbus's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. The stereo just, Columbus. The lady just can't get enough of stereo <laughs> Columbus. Man, they love Columbus here. <laughs> um, that's it. That's a, them. That's a great poem, and I'm going to do something that I've never said about a poem before, I'm, and that is I'm going to send it to my dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, uh, I, I, I hadn't foreseen that it would be the same um, uh, beach destination. Yeah, me neither. I don't recall that at all. The last is that the logical – there's not necessarily a logical one that you would go to from Phillipsburg. It's no. on the far side of the state, right? No, although it's kind of uh, – it's it's kind it's kind of the um, Hamptons of New Jersey, you know. There's some pretty swank stuff on the north side of the island, um, and there's some there's a, a bit of earthiness toward the middle of the island, um, mm-hmm. but mostly it's like a it, it's like a, a Irish American upper middle class retreat. Um, although in the days that he's talking about, it was probably much more working class, um, mm-hmm. like all of the shore. Um, but I, 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 I think it's an, a natural place to go in New Jersey if you want to go to the shore. It's very, pr- very pretty. Mm-hmm. If you want to go and have some feelings. She would recommend it. I would recommend. So Is three it, stars? Yeah, feelings destination, three stars. Yeah. <laughs> this it's island is, this island is useless. Feelings. Useless, mm-hmm. one star. Yeah, no feelings at all. <laughs> you should rename it Feelings Island. Too many feelings and not enough feelings. <laughs> that's that's going to be the reality show that I'm going to yeah. produce. This place, not enough feelings. Feelings Too Island. many feelings here. <laughs> I could just get the right number, the right number of feelings, people, and dog sizes ironed yeah. out. It's not going to happen on the Upper West Side, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's probably going to happen in, back in Ithaca, where yeah. I will <laughs> be forced to encounter almost no people or dogs. Uh, no dogs. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some dogs. Mm-hmm. Very good. So anyway, I oh one other thing I got um, my instinct when you finish reading the poem. And by the way, that was a that was a lovely reading of the, of this poem. Um, 
my instinct was to do what I often do when I'm at the Colgate Writers Conference, and it's Friday night, and we're having our participant readings at Merrill House, mm-hmm. um, which is like an old, you know, an old old mansion where special events are are held. This this mm-hmm. reading being one of them. Everyone has to climb through the window in order to cry. <laughs> exactly. At the exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have to cry, please climb through the window and they, cry. They, th- they throw up the sash and they bar the door and you got to crawl in and cry. Yeah. Uh, what, I, uh, what I often do when someone, what's traditional there to do and I think elsewhere to do when someone has read a bunch, bunch of little things as they're reading is to, and you clap at the end of the, you know, you clap when the whole reading is done, but at, at the end of each thing, you do a little... Uh, a little snapping, yeah. so I was at a. You don't like that. So I, don't I was like at snaps. a. I don't like snaps. I was at a. A, a friend, friend in, in uh, Brooklyn had a, a party the other night uh, that she called a salon. Oh, le salon. Invited her friends, uh, her writer friends, her twenty-something friends. I was the I was the <laughs> oldest oldest person there by about eighteen years. Yeah, and. Um, uh, in fact, this is a my friend Katie. Is a, she is a Colgate person, so and it was clear she was trying to sort of replicate the the, the fun of the Merrill House night with this little literary salon. Um, and everybody gave a reading, and some of them were terrific. It was actually great fun. Um, and uh, but um, <laughs> one woman got up to read poems, and she prefaced her reading by saying. Please don't snap your fingers between poems. I hate that. I hate it. I'm sorry. Yeah. That sounds. It's just, I, this sounds horrible. But I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. No, I don't care for it either. Because yeah. I would have done it. So, okay, I, would, I also. I also don't like being instructed on how to respond to things. Yeah. <laughs> I think of. I think of the snapping as like um, if the whole poetry reading is a. Is a is a paragraph. Uh, the the applause is a period or exclamation mark. The the snaps are commas. Mm-hmm. What do you, why don't you like the snaps? I think it's something that people saw on a TV show. Oh really? Yeah, about beatniks. Oh oh yeah yeah maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's I hadn't dumb. thought of that connotation, but yeah, I guess that's a beatnik thing. Yeah, it's like they saw it on Dobie Gillis. <laughs> Been watching. Um, been trying to get. Uh, so they have. We have some TV time at the house. Yeah. Not too much. A little bit. Sometimes a forty-five-year-old man gets tired of watching Paw Patrol. Gets tired of watching <laughs> animals rescue other animals. <laughs> yeah. Knowing full well that it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it's a world full of animal savagery. Yeah, they, they eat. They eat other animals. Which is perhaps our only glimpse of the divine. <laughs> You're sounding 45 year by the minute. <laughs> um, and, um, so, uh, Oscar's watched a, an episode, about half an episode of The Brady Bunch. Okay, good. And he uh, wants to know more about The Brady Bunch. And he, he keeps imagining how we might be able to join The Brady Bunch. <laughs> and, like, wants, wants us to find, like, he takes he's taking the song literally. The song is is like avoid euphemistically avoiding any sense of actual tragedy or uh, desire or attraction between <laughs> Mister and Missus Brady. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's this lady and this fella, and they met, and they just they had a hunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> it's a lot embedded in that. It sure the is. Fact that it was much more than a hunch. Yeah. 
They had a hunch and a half. <laughs> and uh, um, then this group must somehow form a family. And uh, uh, somehow it seems to exaggerate the, the, com- com- the, the complications of forming a family. Uh, and that's the way they all became the Brady Bunch. And, and I think it's his, it's his, he particularly likes the word became the Brady Bunch. Like how do we, let's I want to let's become the Brady Bunch. How do we become the Brady Bunch? How did the we need to find, how did the you know this becoming? He wants he wants a house full of boys and girls and and men and ladies. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Well, the the three of you have a have a small intimate group there in your. He He's not satisfied with three. He wants he wants enough to to fill in the Hollywood squares. <laughs> I think. These are full of questions about the Brady Bunch. Well, are are you answering them adequately? Did you tell them we we cannot form a a bunch? No, I I don't want to explain that that, uh, um, one of us would would have to die. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want it to, to be me. I don't want him to desire being part of the Brady Bunch so much that he starts enacting... Oedipal tragedies. <laughs> no, that's me legit. The, with me at the receiving end. <laughs> You're going to say, Oscar, do you know what's standing between you and being in the Brady Bunch? <laughs> it is I, your father. My survival. My do you, vitality. Do you wish to sacrifice me? <laughs> I, will, I will make that sacrifice for you, Oscar. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> oh... You said a politics. Don't. <laughs> oh, no, it was... Uh, I meant Obama, Bin Laden. Okay. Oh, by the way, speaking of... Um, I totally forgot. Earlier, quite, quite a long time ago in our conversation, the beginning, you might even say, of our conversation, the, uh, we talked briefly about uh, trailers. And it reminded mm-hmm. me of um, uh, Marcus Wolf's a nonprofit museum mm. in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. Um, gone now, I understand, and I, God knows what happened to the collection. But I went uh, to a show at the new museum uh, in the Bowery here in New York, and if you live in New York, I think you should go there. Um, it ends, the show ends on the 25th of um, September, 2016, which is 12 days away, as I, as I, as we record mm-hmm. this. Um, the exhibition is called The Keeper, and it says here it's an exhibition dedicated to the act of preserving objects, artworks, and images, and to the passions that inspire this undertaking. So some of the stuff is um, stuff collected by artists, and the stuff that they made that's inspired by it, some of it is less um, sort of formally artistic collections. Mm-hmm. Um but this is exactly the kind of thing that if Marcus Wolf were alive and sane and uh, had the had the attention of museum curators in New York City, uh, his collections would have been yeah. per- perfect here. Um, but yeah. among them is a uh, um, two entire rooms full of photographs of people holding teddy bears. Um, many of them victims of the Holocaust. Uh, it's a running theme, but not all of them. Uh, the people or the bears. The well, maybe both. 
when you think of it. There are actual bears there, though, in, in glass vitrines. Uh, little little buildings that some German man made out of cardboard is, is nice. a thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's an uh, exhibition by uh, Hilma A.F. Klint, uh, the painter, mm-hmm. uh, that is really terrific. Um, there's a guy who makes little assemblages in cigarette pack wrappers. Uh, you might have noticed that I tweeted uh, a little thank you to Okie Panky's uh, contributors. Thank you for your submissions, I said, accompanied yeah. by a, pu- a, a pile massive of, pile of paper. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is from the new museum. It's one of the collections. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, I highly recommend this uh, this exhibition. It's, re- it's really great fun. And uh, I always like the new museum, but I particularly like this one. I wish I could go. Thought of Marcus Wolf. Ah. He was a great collector. He was an insane man. He was a madman. Yeah, well. I remember him talking about there was something that he was collecting, like uh, tire irons. And he was, you could feel the rage that his son was also collecting tire irons. (laughs) And it seemed to have a larger collection of tire irons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that that always the way? Yeah. Too many tire irons are not enough. <laughs> well, Ed, uh, we should wrap up the show. I'm, I'm going to uh, right. going to wrap up. Going to head up town and um, meet an old student for dinner. Talk about novel writing. Mm-hmm. It's a bad business. Novel publishing is actually the novel writing is not the problem. It's the novel yeah. publishing. Yeah. Novels. Something I have a little bit of experience with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got some novels under your belt. <laughs> so uh, good. I'm I'm going to uh, uh, the the contractors are are back. So <laughs> I was record, recording this during their lunch break. Yeah. So the, the plumber is going to tear more of the wall up. Okay. And uh, and I'm going to watch. All right. Well, I, I look forward to, uh, in the near future, having a podcast where you've, you can tell me about your complete, your new uh, bathroom. I'll give you a tour, and you can ask the, the prices of things, and you can type them up on your calculator or tally them in your head <laughs> as, you, as you wish. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 keep that in our hearts as a in- incentive to to speak right. again. I'll pencil that in, <laughs> as they say. Yes. All right. All right. Bye, John. Goodbye, my friend. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch, cause it's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John. That's right, it's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John.